Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. We, we began a series three weeks ago, and um, week one, we, uh, and the, the series is titled Jesus is Dash. Jesus is Dash, and you know, a lot of things have been coming up. And um, the first week, we looked at Jesus is the, is the one. Jesus is the one. And last week, we looked at Jesus is Alpha and Omega. And we explained in detail what that actually means. That Jesus is Alpha and Omega means that Jesus is the beginning and the end. And more than that is everything else in between. Because he said, I am the God, I'm the one which was, which is, and which is to come. And we explained that the Alpha and the Omega means, if you were talking to an English crowd, Jesus would have said, I am the A to Z. I am the A to Z. I'm the A to Z. In other words, if you, if you come to A, you will find me. And we said, if you are teaching a child um, the alphabet, and you say A for apple, B for, B for what? C for cash. <laughs> D for, for dollars. And, and, and we said that in the, in the nomenclature of heaven, A for Jesus, B for C for W for X for Y for Z for Jesus from beginning to the end. Jesus. That was last week. I encourage you to get the CDs for free again. Um, of last week, you can, if there is still the free version available. But today, we are looking at Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is not a part of the answer. Like some people would like us to understand that Jesus is not just a part of the answer. He's not just a part of the answer. They will say, okay, well, we kind of, I appreciate that Jesus, we can really kind of write the history of man. We're not talking about Jesus. He existed, you know, but he's just one of the, you know, scholars. He's part of the answer. He influenced modern civilization. He's part of the answer. No, Jesus is not just part of the answer. Jesus is the answer. Everybody say, Jesus is the answer. Jesus does not only have the answer. Jesus is the answer. Jesus does not only have the answer. Jesus is the answer. And the, the, the age we are in is the age of, of um, querying, if you will. It's, if it's, the way, it's the age where, you know, in some time past, anything the elders say, the younger ones must just accept it. Right? But those days are long gone. You tell your son or your child, do this. They say, Daddy, why do I have to do it? Tell me why. I'm not disobedient. I just want to understand. <laughs> so, and we have, you know, information flying at us from every direction. You know, everybody that has a Twitter account has a voice and is an expert. Everybody that has a blog is an expert. In their own way, in their own eyes, you know. So people are asking questions. And these questions, have, some have really actually very valid. People are asking questions. And I, I got a tweet one time and, and someone tweeted, if you people that say Jesus is the answer, if Jesus is the answer, what is the question? And I paused and I said, well, that is, that is interesting. Maybe we, I should think deeper about this. If Jesus is the answer, what is the question? If Jesus is the answer, what is the question? If Jesus is the answer, life is the question. In the first service, they clapped at that point because it was a huge revelation. <laughs> I'm not saying you should clap, I'm just um, for your information. <laughs> it's 
If Jesus is the answer, life is the question. Jesus is the answer to the puzzles of life. Jesus is the answer to the puzzles of life. Any sphere of life you take, the queries you meet there, the answer is Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. In John chapter 4, John chapter 4 verse 13, Jesus, the word of God says that, and Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. Talking about the well. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them. Giving them eternal life. Jesus is saying, if you satisfy your thirst for answers from any other source but me, you will thirst for answers again. But if you come to me, the spring of living waters, I will satisfy the thirst because I am the answer. I won't just satisfy the thirst. I will make you an answer. You know, from within you will flow springs of living water. Quenching other people's thirst. In John 10. 10 John chapter 10. Verse 10. These are the direct words of, of, of Jesus. It, it says that the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and what? And destroy. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. He says, my purpose is to give them what? A rich and a satisfying life. So, you stop and ask yourself, am I experiencing a rich and a satisfying life? If the answer is not yes, you need to realign your life and make Jesus the answer. Because Jesus is the answer to a rich and a satisfying life. May I ask, if you do not want to live a rich and a satisfying life, let me see your hands up. I reversed the question from the first question. So, no hands are up. In other words, we all want to live a rich and satisfying life, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus says, that's my objective. My objective is to make sure you have a rich and a satisfying life. Praise the Lord. So Jesus is the answer. And as the answer, you know, he, he was asked a lot of questions. Jesus was asked a whole lot of questions. In fact, I did a little bit of research and I discovered that we can summarize all the documented questions that Jesus was asked. There were 110 about, 110 documented questions that people asked Jesus. That's the one they wrote down. That's a lot in three years, largely. Three years. And 37 of those 110 questions were asked by him himself. Jesus will ask a question and we answer it himself. 73, of course, were asked by other people. So, a hundred and Jesus answered 110 questions. A lot more, of course, if you want to break it down, there are questions that, are, that have questions and questions. But Jesus didn't answer at least five questions. There were five questions that Jesus didn't answer. There were times they we asked Jesus a question, and Jesus will not answer the question. So I said to myself, Femi, if Jesus did not answer every question, what makes you think he must answer every question? If Jesus did not answer every question, why do you think you must answer every question? Why do you think you must answer every question? Why do you think you must reply every email? Why do you think you must reply every tweet? Why do you think you must reply every SMS? 
Praise the name of the Lord. Jesus didn't answer every question and neither should you. For some of us, that needs to really sink in. Jesus didn't answer every question. And for answering, you know, all these questions, he, he, he really tried because, you know, considering that some people just ask dumb questions. Some people just ask stupid questions. Have you met any of such people that ask stupid questions before? Very daft questions. In, in John 9, 1 to 3, some people came to Jesus, so these were actually disciples that came to Jesus. There was a man, he, he, was, he was a full-grown man. He was blind. He was born blind. And his disciples asked him, Jesus, who sinned that this man was born blind? Is it the man that sinned or the parents that sinned? And I read it and I said that. That's such a daft question. How can the man sin? He was born blind. So when did he sin? In the womb. He was stealing the mother's meat. When the mother eats the meat, the boy collects it. How? He wasn't a twin. If you were a twin, you can say that okay, maybe he was punching his twin in the womb. He wasn't a twin. He was there alone. What was he stealing? Nothing. Was he lying? No. Who can he lie to? Okay. He pretended as if it was due date. He lied to the mother. <laughs> the mother ran to the hospital. He wasn't ready to come out. I'm just thinking. So that is just a typical daft question. And if you ask me, I probably will not answer that question. But Jesus did. Praise the name of the Lord. Jesus did. Jesus said, neither the man or the parent sinned. He says, this case happened so that the name of God can be what? Glorified. There are some of you in this place, people are asking you very daft questions. Maybe because you didn't pray enough, that's why you didn't get the job. Daft question. Sorry, you. Prayer warrior. You go and pray now. Maybe you didn't fast enough. Maybe that's why you didn't get a promotion. Daft question. Maybe, maybe because um, um, your parents have done some terrible things. That's why you are unmarried. Daft question. It's a daft question. Maybe, maybe that's why. Listen. Your life. Everybody say my life. Is for the glory of God. Your life is for the glory of God. Now, could people's sins cause problems? Yes. But to assume that a situation is as a result of that is daft. Praise the Lord. And Jesus was, you know, was bombarded with many of such Questions. For instance, in Matthew 21, 23 to 27, Matthew 21, 23 to 27, Jesus, the, 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 the Pharisees, they came to Jesus and they said to Jesus, by whose authority are you preaching? By whose authority are you doing the things you are doing? Who is your spiritual father? Jesus. Jesus, tell us. Jesus said, okay, before I answer you, that's a very daft question, but before I answer you, I will ask you a question. By whose authority was John the Baptist preaching? And they had a meeting. They said, we are coming. They had a meeting. If we, said, if we say that John's authority was from God, this guy will tell us, why didn't you believe John? Because they didn't believe John. They were antagonistic of John also. If we say John's teaching is of man, the people will stone us because the people believe John was from God, right? So they came to Jesus. They said to Jesus, we don't know. Jesus said, me too, I don't know. <laughs> don't you just love Jesus? Me too, I don't know. You don't know, eh? me too, I don't know. Praise the Lord. And, and if, you, if you look at Luke 
23 verse 9, write down the reference, please read at home. Luke 23 verse 9, you know, the, the, the Bible says that Herod asked him questions upon questions upon questions upon questions and Jesus did not answer one. Jesus did not answer one. Maybe to fulfill the scripture that says that as a lamb that is led to the slaughter, he didn't what? He didn't utter a word. He didn't respond. So we are going to look at the, 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 the questions they asked Jesus, the questions Jesus answered. There are too many, but we're going to look at a few questions Jesus answered. Then we're going to, secondly, now look at when Jesus, when the answer asks you a question. That's an interesting scenario when the answer asks you a question. Praise the name of the Lord. A few questions Jesus answered. The people's motive in John chapter 6 from verse 25. John 6 from verse 25 says, they found Jesus. Now, Jesus had fed them, you know, bread and stuff, you know. You know, these people had enjoyed themselves, you know. And, verse, and Jesus now disappeared, crossed to the other side. And verse 25, they found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. And many times we say to God, I just want to be where you are, dwelling daily in your presence. I don't want to worship from afar. You know the song? Draw me near to where you are. I want to be where you are. Dwelling in your. Feasting at your table. That's where you are going. Surrounded by your glory. In your presence. That's where I always want to be. Just want to be. I just want to be really good. Jesus is saying, why do you really want to be with me? Do you want to be with me? Because I fed you bread. Because I, I, I gave you a breakthrough the last time at God's regular service. Oh, you got the promotion. You got the husband. You got the wife. You, you, you got the healing. Why are you in church today, for instance? Why are you in church today? That's the question. Why are you in church today? Are you in church today? For some of us, our wives bullied us to church. If you don't go to church, I will show you Pepe in his house. I will go, I will go, I will go, I will go. Oh yeah, let's go. After all, it's just two hours, eh? And it will be over. Some of us, we went to church because our husbands dragged us to church. I am the man of this family. As for me and my house. <laughs> because our husbands bullied us to church. For some of us, we are in church today because we just want to satisfy that, you know, guilty conscience that plagues you throughout the week. Because you didn't go to church today. If Okada splashes water, you say, yeah. It's because I didn't go to church. Too. <laughs> you just want to satisfy that thing I just take it out of the way. For some, and the reason can go on and on and on and on and on. You see, but the challenge to you today is you need to realign why you want to be with Jesus. To just be with him because of him. Not because of bread. Praise the name of the Lord. Question number two that we're going to look at is the question of on greatness. The question on greatness that Jesus answered. In Matthew 18 from verse 1, it says, About the time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? <laughs> and Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like this, like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest. 
in the kingdom. They wanted to know if anywhere, you see, um, I think it was Dr. Samchan that was saying to us that where, no, I think it was Dr. Benzatabil, that said to us that where two or three are gathered, there will be power struggle. <laughs> where two or three are gathered, even in the house, among us, there's power struggle. You ought not to be, though, but there is. In my little experience as a pastor, there is power struggle. <laughs> Huge one. Anyway, <laughs> Jesus is saying, in the kingdom, to go up, you have to come down. Jesus is saying, the greatest is the kingdom, is the servant of them all. Jesus is saying, the person that is most important in the kingdom of heaven is the person that humbles himself as a child. Look at children. When children come together, do they care who is who? Everybody's playing. Everybody's running around. Wait until the service ends. You see them. They're all over the place. They don't care who is who. But when adults gather, don't see because we are coming to the same church. Everybody should respect themselves. <laughs> Jesus says, except you become like who? These little children. You will not even see the enter the kingdom. Talk less of being the greatest in the kingdom. It is so, so important that we get that right. Praise the name of the Lord. Like I, like I give, give the example, you know, in a church like this, who is the greatest in church? It's Jesus, yes. Okay, after Jesus, who is the greatest? Not necessarily. He's not the person that holds the mic. He's not the pastor necessarily. It can be if he's serving the most, but the person that is the greatest is the person that is serving the most. And in most cases, I can assure you, he's not the pastor. Oh, yes. Because the pastors are the ones that are being served the most. <laughs> I don't want to start something now. <laughs> Let me just go on. JJ. <laughs> we will get to heaven if there's a congregation. If Jesus will I, I, I acknowledge us as GFH, assuming in heaven. And, and he says, you'll be shocked at the person that Jesus will say is the greatest in God's favorite house. You'll be shocked. It may just be the teacher that is teaching in junior church that is impacting children selflessly. It may just be. It may just be the usher that doesn't care about position, just wants to serve God. It may just be the person parking the cars. It may just be someone in the choir. It may just be anybody. And it may just be the pastor. <laughs> you never know. You never know. You never know. You never know. The third question we're going to look at is the question on salvation. The question of salvation that Jesus answered in John chapter 3, verse 4. John 3, 4. Before, before this, before verse 4, there was a guy, great guy, Nicodemus, had come to Jesus and said to Jesus, Jesus, you know, we know you are from God because the way you teach, blah, 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 blah. And before he could continue, Jesus just cut him short. He says, let me cut the chase, except a man be born again. Read that scripture. It, it, it doesn't flow. Jesus just cut him short and said, except a man be born again, he will not enter the kingdom of God, not see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus says, we pick it up from verse 4. Nicodemus says that, what do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man, he was thinking about himself, I'm an old man. How can an, an old man go back into his mother's womb and he be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the spirit. And he explains later in verse 6 that humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to what? Spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Jesus was saying, if you go to, if you go to a poultry and you see chickens there and the chicken lay eggs and the eggs crack, cracks and whatever you, 
arches. You don't need to be a prophet to know what's going to come out of that. If the egg arches and a goat comes out, <laughs> you know that the world has entered it. You know the world. For those of you that are not in Nigeria, you may not understand the world. And why ye? You may not understand it, but they do that, those things in the village. <laughs> and in Africa, magic too. <laughs> All sorts of nonsense. Anyway, there's nothing like that. A chicken will give birth to a chicken. A goat cannot give birth to a lion. Jesus is saying, don't you understand? You're a teacher of the law. Nicodemus, you're a teacher of the law. It is only a human being that a human being can give birth to. Similarly, it is the only a spirit that the Holy Spirit can give birth to. And the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. To access it, you cannot access it with flesh and blood. Praise the name of the Lord. You cannot access it with flesh and blood. So it is only the spiritual. So how do you get born into the spiritual? As you are born into the physical, you need to be born into the spiritual. As your earthly father and mother came together and gave birth to you in the physical, the Holy Spirit must give birth to you in the spiritual. You have to be born again. That's what it means to be born again. Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. The next question is a question of on forgiveness. It's pivotal that Jesus answered. It's a question of forgiveness. In, in, in Matthew 18, 21, Matthew 18, 21, the word of God says in Matthew 18, 21, that then Peter, everybody say Peter. Peter, Peteru. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Have you met people that ask a question and offer the answer? Peter was seven times. Then that was Jesus, don't go past seven, please, please, please. And Jesus says what? No, not seven times, but 70 times seven. 490 times. If you compare the scriptures to another translation, daily, in a day, 490 times in a day. If you understand this, your marriage will be so sweet. In fact, your marriage will be the sweetest place on earth. Your, your home will be so harmonious. Why? Because my wife, I think she's somewhere upstairs, I'm entitled to offend her 490 times a day. It's my entitlement. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And she must what? Yes. Yes. Guess what? It's also an entitlement. It's also an entitlement. And I must what? If you operate like that, what Jesus was saying, in essence, is you really cannot keep count on a daily basis for 490 offenses. If you're able to do that, something is wrong with you. If you open a log, one, you say, baby, this is just three o'clock. You're on 478. <laughs> you know something is wrong. What was Jesus saying in essence? Jesus was saying, let it go. Then after a new day, it, you know, it, it reinitializes to zero. And zero. And if you are like that, my brother for, offends me, I must forgive. I, 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 I give you, I've given you an example before of if a man that came to service, we're having a midweek service at the time, and he, and he came and, and, and I was preaching on forgiveness, and I preached my heart out on what Jesus said about forgiveness. And, and at the end of service, the guy came to me and said to me that, Pastor, 
You know where he's from, right? <laughs> he said, Pastor, a powerful message, powerful message. I said, we give God the glory. He now gave, told me a story that really broke my heart. He's Ghanaian. He had a Nigerian neighbor. He's a businessman. So sometimes he travels. By the time he came back, his Nigerian neighbor, maybe he traveled for one week, I don't know durations, has been raping his wife. Then finally, the woman fought back. The guy killed her. Of course, maybe he didn't plan to kill her, but she died in the struggle. And he has tracked the guy back down to Aja, somewhere in Aja. And he says he wants to attend his last service so that we go and kill the guy. And anything that happens from there, he will take it as his portion. So he says, Pastor, he says he has the gun here now with him. He says, so Pastor, are you trying to say that I should not go and kill him? I say, I didn't say so. It's not me that said so. <laughs> Is it me that said so? It's not me now. I said, I said, say, Jesus said so. Jesus, you know Jesus said, it's the one that said so. It's not me. Because how can you face an angry man that has a gun in his pocket? <laughs> and I told you his whole story. He will just take the anger on you. So I said to him, and, and he cried and all that, and we prayed, and you know, it's tough sometimes. That's the truth. It's very tough sometimes. But there's no other way with God but to forgive. Let God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Let God fight for you. Let God repay. It's, sometimes you may think God is slow, God is this, but God is just. Praise the name of the Lord. Next question we're going to look at quickly is a question on <laughs> the woman that was caught in adultery. Last week we, we said we should read John chapter 8. If you read it, shout hallelujah. Okay. At least I'm happy. Some people read it. Please read it, John chapter 8, if you haven't. They came to Jesus. Caught a woman in adultery. And they said, Teacher, they said to Jesus, This woman was caught in the act of adultery. I was saying the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, you can go ahead and stone her, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning from the oldest, and version says to the youngest. Until only Jesus was left with the woman. What a question. You caught a woman in adultery. Caught in adultery. If you catch a woman in adultery, can a woman commit adultery by herself? So, where's the man? He's a Pharisee. <laughs> among them. Okay. Jesus was probably infuriated with their hypocrisy. And they came, they quoted Moses, and they said, oh, but that was not what Moses said. If you read, if you read the book, in, I think Leviticus, Moses said, both of them should be stoned. You brought only one person, and you want to stone. What do we do? Jesus took down. He was writing. I can imagine if I was Jesus, and they asked me that, I would be writing, God, please, Help me not to call down fire from heaven to consume these people. And they kept, the Bible said they kept asking him and asking me, I've just been writing, oh God, you are my help, oh God. Help me not to slap this old man that is holding this stone. <laughs> That's what I will be writing. And Jesus said, okay, finally, the person that has no sin, throw the first stone. 
And you can imagine their lives flashed in their faces. They, they could see themselves. The man that was stealing saw himself stealing and dropped his stone. The one that, the, an old man that probably has seen that he has done about five adulteries in his life. Say, ah, no, 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 no. Drop this stone. No, the older ones are the wiser ones. Then the younger ones say, Chai, if all these old men are dropping their stones. <laughs> Everybody dropped their stones. Wow. Everybody. Like I said, if you find a congregation of people that are condemning other people, you won't find Jesus there. You'll find Jesus there. Okay, quickly, we get to the next question that we're going to look at. And that is the question on sacrifice. Sacrifice for the things of God. In Matthew 19, 27, the Bible says, And Peter said to him, to Jesus, We have given up everything to follow you. What will we get? Such a canal question. Right? Shouldn't Jesus just say that? Well, it's your heart that matters. Don't worry about harvest, about what you get. Just give. As nice as that sounds, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus replied, I assure you, everybody say, I assure you. I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits on the throne, you will, you will have been my followers. We also sit on the twelve thrones judging the twelve tribe of Israel and everyone who has given up houses and brothers and sisters and father and mother and children and property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return. Where? Where do you need houses? Here. Another translation actually says here in this time. And will inherit eternal life thereafter. Now, that's just too profound. Jesus was saying, if you sacrifice for me, you will be rewarded. Jesus was saying, you cannot outgive me. Now, that contradicts a lot of teaching that I've heard. You know, some people will say, oh, just give to God. Don't worry about the return. You know, you, you should just give to God and forget about the return. And that sounds pious. Doesn't sound pious. That sounds good. That sounds very noble. But Jesus didn't say that. Are you going to base your, your work with God on your own thinking on, on what Jesus says? On what Jesus says? Jesus says, if you give to me, you will be rewarded. Don't you like David? David shows up on the scene and looked at Goliath and said, who is going to take down or rather, what are they going to give to the guy that takes down this giant? David was negotiating his reward before he took on the battle. What are they going to give this guy? Now, you could say, how can David be so selfish? How can, is, he not, is he not an Israelite? Is he not a Jew? How can he just, can he just do it for patriotic reasons? David said, no. Then let's all go and fight. After all, he's the king. <laughs> what are they going to give the person that kills this guy? God was saying to the children of Israel, I have not called you to seek me in vain. That's so profound. I have not called you to seek me. If you think you are, you, are, you are serving God, you are doing God a favor, you are wasting your time. You are not. If you think that, oh, you know, let me just give God and not worry. It's okay to give God and not worry, but guess what? God will give you back. And when he gives you back, he's going to give you much more back. Because that's how God is. He's not a debt of anyone. And Jesus reveals that to us. Amen. All right. Next question is the question of marriage. Question of marriage. In Matthew 19, we said Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the what? Answer. In Matthew 19, verse 3, some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a 
man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied, they record that from the beginning, everybody say from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one since they are no longer two but one. Let no one split apart. What God has joined together. You know, back in the day, if they get married and you discover that, okay, I don't like this woman anymore, they troubled Moses until Moses allowed them to divorce their wives, give her a bill of divorcement. Someone could say, oh, I, I don't, she has body odor. I'm not doing anymore. Oh, oh, she cannot cook uh, Eddie Kaikon. I'm not doing it anymore. That was the reason, flimsy reasons they were given. Jesus said, Moses allowed it because of the hardness of your heart. But I'm telling you, in the beginning, it was not so. Once you are married, you are married. God made them male and for this reason shall a man be joined to his wife. The Bible did not say for this reason shall a man be joined to his wives. One man, one wife. Jesus was answering deep-seated questions. It says in the beginning, God made them male and female. That just throws out the issue of homosexuality. Totally. God made them male and what? Female. God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Not Joy and Eve. Jesus was just going straight to the core and answering these questions that people are still asking in 2013. Call a spade a spade. Sexuality is a sin. Adultery is a sin. Lying is a sin. Sin is sin. So, so, I, I, so what are you saying? Are you saying that you hate homosexual? Of course not. Do you hate adulterers? Do you hate liars? You don't hate liars. You love liars because you may just be married to one. <laughs> yeah, but lying is wrong. It doesn't make it right. Do you understand? If you have a problem, you seek for help. If you have a problem, you don't, you don't institutionalize your problem. You don't say, we are the association of pedophiles. If you have a problem, you ask for help. There's some, I think it's mother of the queen, that's a kleptomaniac, right? And every time she, she goes, maybe she goes to Tesco, she has to steal biscuit. If she doesn't steal it, her hands will be shaking. She has to steal biscuit. Guess what? The bodyguards, they will count all the biscuits she has stolen. They will go and pay for it. Now, are there people that struggle with um, kleptomania issues? There are. Should they now come together and say we are the associations of kleptos? You are, we, are the, we are a minority in the society. You are discriminating against us. You have a problem. Seek for help. Praise the Lord. Sin is sin. Thank you, Jerry. Four seven people, they didn't clap in that area. <laughs> we are clapping for Jesus anyway. Praise the name of the Lord. Then, then there's a follow-up question. Since you clapped, I will, I will take this follow-up question. I need to take it in first service. There's a follow-up question. Verse seven, verse 7. It says, Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, which was what I've mentioned. 
And they, they asked Jesus. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. But it was not what God had originally, it was originally, originally intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery. Unless his wife has been unfaithful. Verse 10, Jesus' disciple then said to him, if this is the case, it is better not to marry Look, until you see that it is better not to marry, you are not fit to marry. Until you see marriage as as serious as it is, that's what I mean. You are not fit to marry. Why? Because if you do, you are going to cause problems for your your spouse. Oh, of course, Jesus now said to them, well, some can take it, some may not take it, blah, 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 blah. But the key thing is this. Once you are married, you are what? Someone says, oh, pastor, you said that God will do a new thing. And I received the word. So, pastor, I want a new wife. I said, no, 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 no. God will refurbish the one you have. And make it as good as new. And the church say, eh. Hey. Amen. As good as new. As good as new. Male and female. Everybody say male and female. Male and female. Okay. A lot of the questions are just tricky questions. Useless questions. In Matthew 22, 34, Matthew 24, says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert of religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Here they are. Jesus has silenced the Sadducees. If you, read, if you read the previous verses, the Sadducees don't believe in resurrection, so they said to Jesus, if a man marries a wife and he dies, then by the, the Levitical law, or rather the, 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 the civil law, the brother marries the wife, right? And he dies. And the third brother marries the wife and he dies. All till, there are seven brothers. All of them, they marry the wife, that same woman, and all of them dies. At the resurrection, since you say there's a resurrection, Jesus, who will be the husband of the wife? You know, and I just think about that question. I'm like, if I were the third born, first one, marry you, die. Second one, marry you, third one, I said, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I mean, it's just foolishness. By the time he gets the seventh born, ah, ah. Uh-uh. For Jesus, I just say that that scenario is not possible. Because the seven born will not marry the girl. But Jesus said to them, listen, guys, you are just plain dumb. That's what he said. You are totally ignorant. You don't even know the scriptures. Neither do you know the power of God. In heaven, there is no marriage. Everybody say there is no marriage in heaven. Stop killing yourself over marriage. There's no marriage in heaven. You're going to live on earth for 40 years more. If you're 40 now, maybe 40 years more. You're gone. In heaven. Eternity. No marriage. There's no male or female. Why? 
Because right now, as you are, you are in the image of God. You are just in a male body or a female body. When this body goes, that image is the same. Praise the Lord. Now, let's round up with this scenario. When the answer asks you a question. When the answer asks you a question. When Jesus asks you a question. It's usually one of two things when the answer asks you a question. It's definitely not to gain insight. When the answer asks you a question, he already knows the answer. So it's not so that he can be more educated. No. When he asks you a question, it's one of two things. It's either he wants to shut you up if you are sarcastic or you're obnoxious or he wants to help you. So when God asks you a question, it's one of two things. Either he wants to shut you up or he wants to help you. In, in Matthew 22, verse 41, then surrounded by the Pharisees, they surrounded Jesus. Jesus asked them a question. So you guys have had your feel. You have your feel. I'm going to ask you a question. What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? And they replied, he's the son of David. Jesus responded, then why does David, speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, calls the Messiah, my Lord? David said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at the right hand until I humble your enemies beneath your feet. Since David called the Messiah, my Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? Jesus bamboozled them. He's, the Messiah is like David's son, right? Isn't he? But Jesus knew that they were so set in their hierarchical structure that they cannot comprehend the Son as the Lord. And verse 46 says, no one could answer him. And after that, no one dared ask him any question. Leave this guy alone. Just leave this guy alone. I mean, you remember the time that God said to Job, Job, who is this that is talking? He's offering counsel with darkness. What is wrong with you? Come here, Job. Were you there when the foundations of the earth were made? Job said, no, sir. Just come, come. Look at these mountains. When they came together, were you the one that spoke it? Job said, no, sir. Job, Job, God said to him, are, are you the one that commanded the day to come? Are you, are you command the ends of the earth to shake the wicked ones out of their places? Are you the one, Job? Job said, no, sir. By this time, Job was crying, perhaps. God wanted to show Job, if you are going through a trial, I am still God. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. I am still God. And Job said, no, sir. God said, to him, look at the Leviathan. Look at, are you the one that put the hook in his nose? Can you tame the Leviathan? Job said, no, sir. God says, come, come, look at the deep, the depth of the, of the ocean. Are you the one that, from? Job said, no, sir. I mean, he didn't say it's recorded, but I mean, what else can he say? <laughs> I mean, what else can he say? When God asks you a question, it may be to just shut you up. What do you know? Just trust me. Praise the Lord. Just what? Just trust me. There won't be a need for faith if you could figure out everything. There won't be a need for faith if you could figure out everything. Just trust me. And the second reason why God will ask you, why the answer will ask you a question is just to help you. Just to help you. In, in Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 52, Mark 10, 46 to 52, I mean, there was a man called... Well, Bartimaeus means Bartimaeus. Bar Jesus is son of. Bartimaeus is son of Timaeus, son of Timothy. That's all. Bartimaeus means son of Timothy. So this guy was blind. They call him blind Bartimaeus, you know. And he heard that Jesus was passing by and he was shouting, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus. And the people said, shut up. And he kept shouting. Ignored them. Jesus, that son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus heard, and Jesus said, 
bring him here. And the same people that said, shut up, says, ah, he's calling you, a guy is calling you. So he came. He was blind. He was a beggar. And Jesus stood before him. Everybody could see that this guy is blind. And Jesus still asked him, what can I do for you? Bartimaeus could, said, could have said, well, give me five shillings. Possible. Jesus would have said to Judas, give him five shillings out of the ones you have not stolen. <laughs> give him five. <laughs> give him five shillings. <laughs> but Bartimaeus said that I may receive my sight. And Jesus healed him. And he could see. Praise the name of the Lord. In John 5, 5 to 7, there was a man in the pool of Shiloam. The pool of Shiloam, when he gets stared, the first person that enters gets healed, regardless of the disease. This man has been there for 38 years, waiting for his own turn before he could get in. Somebody always got in before him. And Jesus came and stood by him and said, Oga, would you be made whole? And the guy looked at the answer, asking him a question. Would you be made whole? And the guy looked at Jesus and said, I don't have people to help me enter this water. The man was stuck in the process of healing while the healer was right beside him. He was stuck. You know, sometimes God is asking us a question. We are like, oh God, I need to pray first, then I need to fast, then I need to... God said, no, 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 no. Would you be made whole? Jesus said to him, would you be made whole? And the man keep, kept talking and talking and talking. You know what Jesus did eventually? He says, if I wait for this guy, nothing will happen. He grabbed him by the right hand. <laughs> I say unto you, get up, take up your mat and walk. And the guy got up and walked. Jesus is going to ask you a question today. To help you. For some, he's asked you already. For some, he will still ask you. <clears throat> Jesus said to Peter and his, and his friends, the disciples, in Matthew 16, 15, Jesus said, Would do you say that I am? Would do you say that I am? Would do you say that I am? And it's a valid question. It's a question every leader should ask, either directly or indirectly. Whether you are a leader in your house, you should ask your family, your, your wife, ask her, who do you think I am? Sometimes some wives don't discern their husbands. Do you know that? They don't know who they are. And guess what? A little girl out there has discerned the guy. Like, oh, this guy. I could die for this. In fact, I'm ready to kill 10, 20 women. And they are actually really ready to. But you don't discern the man that you have. You treat him like crap. Not here, of course. Right? We are discerning God's baby's house. Say amen. amen. Heavily discerning. Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? After they've said what other people, who do you say that I am? And Jesus said, and Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. Let me tell you this. Don't rely on your senses to determine who the person you want to discern is always rely on God. Praise the name of the Lord. You don't, don't think you know your wife. No, 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 you don't know her. You've been with her for 15 years, I know, but you don't know her. Ask the Lord. And God will tell you. Don't think you know your husband. No, 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 you don't. Ask God. And God will tell you. Praise the name of the Lord. And in John 10, 24, and the people surrounded him and asked him, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I have already told you and, I, and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my father's name. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will not perish. What was Jesus saying? My sheep, they hear my voice. Praise the name of the Lord. 
What is God asking you today? What question is God asking you? That's one hand. On the other hand, what questions do you have that the answer cannot answer? None. We need to go to Jesus. But for some of us, like the eternal life thing, you finally got it. It says, ha, that is what it means to be born again. I never understood it. I want to prove it to you. Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. You're saying, Pastor, 